Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast. Today I got a great show um, coming up. I got two good guests. The Wallace family is on this podcast joining me. I got Austin Wallace, who is a former student athlete at LaSalle Academy, same high school I went to, and the University of Pittsburgh. And I have his wife, Brittany Wallace. She's a former student athlete at the University of Rutgers. She's a forthcoming author. We're going to get into that. We're also going to get into her small business. She's an owner. She's a health coach and everything. And um, what's up, family? How y'all doing? So, uh, Austin, man, what's going on with you, man? What's up, man? How you, how you been? How, how's everything going? How's uh, you doing? You dealing with the uh, entire coronavirus? Hey, man. Um, well, you know, we're right here, basically in the in the hot the hotbed, you know, in New York City, um, right now when it comes to this country. So it's, um, I tell you this. I, long story short, I'm doing I'm doing well, holding up well. Um, you know, I'm actually, I'm still an essential employee and so is my wife. So we're still working. Um, I am, you know, I'm working, you know, from home mostly, but you know, I've still kind of got my, ear, my, my, my ears kind of tuned to the streets because I'm a social worker. So I'm working in human yeah. services. So a lot of our families are in crisis and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff going on. That's just crazy. But when it comes to like the coronavirus thing, uh, you know, the pandemic here, um, even our mayor, Mayor De Blasio, uh, went on went live yesterday and basically he told us straight up, like, listen, the whole city has been infected and like more than half the city is gonna get infected. Like the whole city has been exposed and like, you know, about half of the city is gonna be infected. But most of most of it uh, of the cases are gonna be mild, you know, so it's not gonna he, he but basically he's kind of preparing us for the fact that like Hey, you, you might get it. If not this year, maybe next year. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, stay healthy, take these precautions, uh, and you know. But with all that, I feel like the mentality around it is, is going to eventually start to. There's a lot of fear, but I think that eventually it, it, should, it should. Yeah, it should yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Brittany, as a mother, you know, like, how are you, like? handling this whole, you know, pandemic situation? Like, does it worry you or are you not worried? Um, let me know, like, what's going on with, with you, like, involved with this whole situation? Yeah, so, I mean, of course, as a mom, I'm very concerned. Uh, you know, I'm still considered, like my husband said, an essential yeah. employee. So I'm still out here working. Um, and, you know... You never potentially know somebody may come to the job and kind of, you know, infect, <laughs> infect us. So like Austin said, Mayor de Blasio said that, you know, a lot of people are going to get this virus. Like, you know, a lot of people have been already exposed in New York City, even though we live upstate, you know, obviously people from the city trap travel from upstate and downstate yeah. all the time. Like, you know, so. You know, we still have the potential to possibly contract this thing. And so we're just trying to stay healthy as possible, you know, especially with our son, you know, being under two years old. Like he's, uh, you know, definitely my biggest worry, you know, and, you know, we're just trying to take precautions and uh, being proactive. You know, we juice every okay. morning, you know, we Absolutely. take ginger shots. You know, we take ginger shots every morning, ginger lemon shots, um, just to make sure that we're getting in our, you know, anti-inflammatories and uh, citrus yeah, yeah. fruits in. Uh, you know, we're trying to be proactive and making sure that, you know, if this virus is coming around, we're doing the best that we can holistically to make sure that we, um, you know, defend, you know, properly defend ourselves against yeah, this Yeah, so, right, okay, yeah, I mean, me... I've been taking a lot of citrus stuff. Cause I know citrus helps with the immune boosting and stuff. I got some other immune boosters, like some vitamins and everything. I'm just trying to, you know, keep my family as safe as possible and stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's scary because you never know who has it. And especially, you know, that it takes two weeks to incubate in your body before it shows. You know, that's, that's the scariest part to me. But yeah, Austin. So tell me like about your basketball background. I know that you went to LaSalle, same high school I went to, same high school as, you know, 
as you know, uh, Meta went as well. So tell me more about your basketball background. Like what made you start it to love the game more? And um, how do you feel about the game today? Wow, and that's a nice, fun, packed question. Uh, I'll try to keep my answer under five minutes. <laughs> the, uh, so, uh, on the first half, you know, basketball background, uh, you know, like you next know, time went to LaSalle, uh, you know, uh, thanks to, to Meta there, you know, he sponsored me. And I went on to play at the uh, University of Pittsburgh. Got hurt earlier in my career. So, you know, my, my career kind of ended early, you know, with injury. But I wound up, uh, the University of Pittsburgh wound up taking care of me. and. They paid for me to get a, you know, paid for me to go to grad school. So I kind of, you know, got a two for one deal on the degree end, and you know, it kind of helped me, you know, build a plateau to a, a platform to kind of, you know, have a career, you know, from that point forward, professionally. Um, but as far as like, what really got me into loving the game passionately, um, I, I'll definitely say, it, it, you know, a lot of this stuff all came together, and there goes my dogs barking. <laughs> the, uh, the. Uh, a lot of things kind of came together like after my freshman year. You'd be, you'd be surprised. Like my freshman after my freshman year, like the summer of freshman year, I actually met Brittany, right? And her dad is a basketball guru, trainer, evaluator, whatever you want to. I mean, Mr. Ray is is, a, is an OG. He's a basketball OG around the city. This guy put four play for all four of his children uh, through Division One, and. Uh, and you know, even and into the pros, you know, all you know, three, you know, basically all the one pro, um, uh, you know that, and 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 uh, and and and, and those are just his children, and I'll t- on top of everybody he's trained. So you know, I kind of like got with him, and his like extended, um, I say you know, uh, reach of network of basketball yeah. folks, and um. Then I also went to a better high school, got to LaSalle, because I didn't go to LaSalle my freshman year. I went to, you know, a public school there. I got to LaSalle. So I basically I switched schools, better school, better network of basketball people around me. And that and that and that's what kind of really, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of changing my environment and kind of really getting more serious about the game. And uh, that that really I think I think basically after my freshman year of high school, is when I really, really, really got more serious really working hard every day, multiple times a day, just like, cause I had the environment around me. I had the support and cast around me to like really, you know, propel me. And I, and I actually like, I wasn't that good basically leading into, you know, um, high school, but you know, I, I, I tried to find the areas that I could play in. So if I wasn't being, if I wasn't able to play, you know, for certain teams in the city, then I started playing mm-hmm. for teams in Connecticut and, you know, TV, Jersey and just, you know, wherever I could pick up run at and where I could play and be that big fish in a small pond. Like, short story, and I'll end my answer with this. Like I said, I hope to keep it under five minutes. I was like, myself, and I, and, and this will kind of loop around to basketball state of today to kind of okay. really answer the question. I would, say, I would sit here and I would say, say that I was one of the first, let's say, basketball, I don't want to say stars, but one of the first good players that New Heights had and uh, another AAU team by PSA Cardinals. Mm. But 15 years ago, 15 or so years ago, PSA Cardinals was Team Scan. That was Scan, and that was a neighborhood uh, AAU team. There were nothing. They were just starting out. We, we, won, I, we won the very first championship for PSA Cardinals, which, which will later become PSA Cardinals, my team. Uh, and, and qualified them for nationals. They didn't even have money to send us to Cocoa Beach in the nationals. We won the gold medal at Long Island City and all that and got a chance to, you know, 13, 14 and under or whatever, and they didn't even have the money to send us. I remember when they didn't, when PSA Cardinals didn't have money to even send their kids wow. to nationals. I was on that team. Quick story, it, it bounced, bounced to New Heights. Myself, Lance Thomas, who's, you know what I'm saying, you know, you know, plays in the, mm-hmm. played in yep. the NBA, you know, and, and has been playing in the NBA up, up until this, you know, this past season here. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, fantastic friend of mine. Um, we were some of the first, you know, stars at New Heights. This is when New Heights was just starting out. And, uh, I mean, myself, himself, you know, we went on, we went on the road and, you know, won together. I remember us running out of money on the road. We, they, they couldn't feed us, basically couldn't feed us like what they would normally feed us, maybe Golden Corral and take us to, like a big buffet. And we had to get Wendy's. 
and I'm just taking it back where I remember when New Heights didn't have the money to feed their team on the road. Oh. I remember when PSA Cardinals didn't have the money to set us to national. I'm looking at where these teams yes. are today. I'm like, these are like the I can't even believe it. All these All Americans, all these amazing, and it's and it's a blessing to see that. I remember when this thing was just starting out. Guys like Munch, I can't believe that Munch is a big dog. It's a big yeah. homie now. Like you know what I'm saying? Like you know what I mean? Amazing. It's amazing. So I, I love the I love the state of the game today. Um, you know, the, a lot of guys kind of critique the players, like you know, work ethics and things like that. Um, but I think that you know, a lot of these guys are adding a whole different style. The game has changed, and I think that like I really kind of lived through this era watching the game change where like, you know, the positions changed and the game itself and the style and a lot of things. So, I mean, we, we, we adapt, but we love the game. All of us are here. We love the game. And as it changes, we, we learn to love the changes as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Brittany, you know, you, you know, you played at Rutgers, you know, you played for coach C Vivian Stringer legend, you know, you, um, like how was yeah, that? Like yeah. what, like, that's crazy. Like, what's your what's your basketball background? Like, what high school you went to? Like, what made you choose Rutgers and everything? And um, you know, how was that experience playing for her? Yeah. So, um, my basketball background. Um, not too sure if too many people know, but um, I'm I come from a basketball family, uh, the Ray okay. family. I'm from the Bronx. So my older brother Alan second. Ray played at Villanova. Alan Ray's your brother. I never knew that. I never knew that. Alan Ray, that's people's right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've seen, I've seen all the time comments. I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Shout out to Alan. Shout out to Alan Ray, man. St. Raymond's, right? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Salute, yeah, man. Absolutely. All right, we'll continue. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. So my, my older brother is Alan Ray. So I got a chance to uh, grow up, you know, right yeah. next to him and kind of like bask in yeah. his greatness. Um and, uh, you know, my older brother, I just watched him evolve as a basketball player. And that made me want to become, you know, a basketball player. I remember him going to, to Gauchos on Saturdays and, um, you know, working out. I remember looking at that big bull's face on the uh, on the gym outside of Gauchos and, you know, following my brother into the gym to watch him work out with my, uh, with my father. So... Um, that's, that's kind of my background. Like, you know, we, I grew up basically running behind my brother and, <laughs> you know, him and my dad and, uh, just, just kind of like translating his, his passion for the game as something yeah. of my own, you know, so I went to, um, I didn't go to a, a, a big basketball high school like he did. We went to St. Raymond's and played with Gary D and, you know all those 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 yeah. good names: Julius Hodge, Chris McRae, Peter Mulligan. All these guys I watched yeah. growing up. You know, um, so I went to Aquinas High School in the Bronx. It's basically right um, behind the Bronx Zoo. It's a small all-girls uh, college preparatory okay. school, and um, I chose Aquinas because. Um, I consider myself a self-proclaimed nerd. Um, I love school. I've always loved school. And Aquinas kind of like fit the the prototype for what I wanted as a high school. Even though that I knew that uh, Aquinas wasn't um, a big basketball school, I knew I could go there and kind of like change the culture because, you know, not I'm not trying to speak from a, any type of cocky cockiness, yeah. but in my humble opinion, I felt like my talent and skill could, you know, be translated at any high school. So, and plus, I had a few of my um, teammates from my uh, my AAU team also commit to Aquinas High School. So I knew that we we could basically have a squad and go in there and uh, you know change the whole culture of the basketball at Aquinas yeah. High School. So went there and then you know we won a state championship yeah you know what's funny i'm sorry to cut you off but this is funny because now that i think of the name i remember you like you you're an amazing basketball player i see you play plenty of times 
You know what I'm saying? Like when I go, when I go yeah. back and forth to, I was living back and forth in New York. Yeah. No, Austin, listen, man. When you listen, I'm about to hit. I'm about to hit you in the head. She scored over two thousand points in her high school career. Okay, so like, come on, that all right stuff ain't happening, brother. You know, like so. I know, but when I think when the name hit me, I was like, oh, I definitely remember. I, I remember a lot of, of basketball players, you know what I'm saying? Especially from the Bronx, Upper Bronx, like R- Riverdale area, like uh, Misha Butler. It's another female um, named Bethany Donovan. And I remember you. I, I know Misha, Misha and Bethany, okay. they, they're way before you, but I remember I just, it just, just sticks out now. So that, that's kind of that's kind of cool that, yeah, <laughs> I'm like stumped right now because of it just all just came it just came to me at yeah. once. Yeah, you definitely come from a a, yeah. a good basketball or royalty family and stuff. You know what I'm saying with your brother and your dad. I have the pleasure of meeting your dad a couple of times during the AAU days when I used to go to battle with your brother. You know, um, so yeah, I want to actually. My younger huh? brother Kendrick, Kendrick is is next up. He's out here. The younger brother okay. Kendrick is out here. You know, he's overseas doing this thing. Like that's what I said. The family, it just these generations just keep on. I mean, the uh, they just keep on coming. So Kendrick is is the one next up right now. That's really making a name for himself. His rookie season in the Czech Republic. He okay, okay. The whole league. You know, he was he's playing in he's playing in the Champions League this year. He was playing. In, obviously, you know, all the seasons are canceled, but he was playing with Ike. Okay. In Greece, okay. uh, AEK. Yeah. Uh, this past uh, season, and he was—he just had a—he was killing in the Champions League playoffs right before yeah. they cut the season short. Uh, but uh, he's next up to 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 to. to yeah, that's what's up, man. Game. I'm definitely gonna look forward yeah. for uh, for young Kendrick, man, on the rise. I, I love watching basketball. I love researching basketball. So I'll definitely, you know, find him and follow his progress and stuff. So, but Brady, I got another question actually because this actually. Me and you, like we, me and you, like one in the same. You know, what I'm saying we both had brothers that played in the league and stuff, and. And, um, you know, you said that you used to follow around it. Like, how did you, how, how was it for you growing up in the same household, especially like when, when that, when his star started to rise like crazy, because me, I always felt like I was overlooked in the house, you know, not only because it was one of, it was like, you know, 17 of us in one household or whatever, but you know, once I felt like once Vron started getting the attention, I kind of felt like, like, damn, I felt, I felt forgotten sometime, you know, there was games like my mom, she always seen Ron play. My dad always seen Ron play, but I mean, always seen yeah Ron play, but they rarely came to my game, so I kind of felt crazy about that. I remember one game, I got in trouble because I came in late, yeah. but the game, um, I scored sixty six points, you know, and you know, I was about fourteen at the time, and like I always thought that was kind of tough growing up in the shadow, and um, to just ask the question, not to make it a loaded question, like did you try to like live yeah. in um your brother's shadow? I mean. I kind of took it and okay. ran with it, honestly. Um, like, so what for me, I don't feel like I got overlooked because I just feel like the, the, the term Alan Ray's sister got pinned okay. on me. You know, that's probably, that's that's probably the only negative that I would get from that. Oh, you Alan Ray's sister. Oh, you Alan Ray's sister. Like, I'll always get that instead of me being who I am. You know, that would be the first thing that someone would say, but... I would probably say, like, because our journeys were so spaced out, like, my brother's three and a half years yeah. older than me. So, like, as he was moving into his own, I kind of felt like I also was moving into my own. So, like, when my brother's whole high school career was happening, I was still in okay. middle school. So my dad my dad didn't really have a need to, like, you know, really have to look at me going to games and stuff because it really wasn't my time at the time it was my brother's time so he really kind of like invested a lot of time okay. in him and then I kind of like jumped on a little bit later and so my father already had a introduction with my brother you know going through the whole recruiting process going through you know that was a very overwhelming going through the recruiting process and seeing that you know yeah, firsthand yeah, yeah. you know how Coaches coming to the houses, you know, coaches blowing up my father's <laughs> phone, blowing up my father, you know, my brother's phone. So my father kind of got a head start, if you want to say, and he kind of learned the game through my brother and then kind of like translated yeah. that to me when it was my. So I definitely don't think that I got overlooked. I definitely just ran with the opportunity to learn from my older brother because I kept seeing that he was playing against some of the best people yeah, in the yeah. country. And then 
city, in the city. So I'm just like, yo, if my brother can do it and he's competing like this, like I know I could do the same thing. You know, it kind of like motivated yeah, me. Exactly. And I, I know that um, we were supposed to talk about your background, and I wanted to know how, you know, how was it playing for Coach Vivian Stringer? Like I know that she was an amazing coach. She yeah. she's a Hall of Famer, yeah. a legend. You know, she she's everything. You know, what I mean, especially for you know for for you yeah. know black women's coaching and stuff. You know, um. So tell me how how was it playing oh. for Coach String? Coach Stringer, like, I don't even know how I can put my experience into words with her because um, it's it's been a wonderful process. It was a wonderful process being able to be under her tutelage for um, four years. And, you know, like, you know, you're not just her player. Like, you're a you're a kind of like a daughter to her, mm. if you want to say, in a sense. She, she, yes, kids. she really invests in your time as a um as a person, not just a basketball yeah. player. Like that's probably one of the reasons why um one of the biggest, most important reasons why I decided to go to Rutgers. Okay. Like I also I also talk about all this stuff in my book, like how um I didn't even know that Rutgers was recruiting me wow, in a okay. sense, like so it's kind of like a funny story. My um, my family, my dad especially thought I was gonna go to Georgetown yeah. University. Like my um, my I, I had the opportunity to compete at the Adidas camp in um Suwanee, Georgia. Okay. My uh, my sophomore year going into my junior year, and then my it's basically year. like that's basically like the like the the um the yeah yeah I'm not, yeah. So that's like you know it's funny because it's funny because um. Me and Brittany have a connection like that. So first, me and Brittany, we got a connection with having brothers that played in the league. And I used to live in Sewanee. So yeah, I know exactly I know exactly okay. I know exactly what it was. And I I actually was you who was this was was um like Maya Moore who was in that camp with you? Um man, so many <laughs> so many players. Uh was Maya Moore there? I don't think Maya Moore was at that camp, but we had um you know, definitely mm-hmm. Candace Parker was at camp. Uh, Daniel Wilson, she was from Long Island okay. as well. Um, Kareem Gay, like a whole bunch. Tina oh, okay, Charles, okay, okay. you know, even, Epiph- even Epiphany oh, wow. was at the camp. He didn't even compete though. She came out, and everybody was just like, "She doesn't even need to compete." Yeah. <laughs> She just scored 113 points yeah. last year. Like, Piff is a, a different person, man. But that's cool that you got to play for Coach String and and and, and have all that success, you know, with women's basketball. Because Rutgers, you know, definitely, y'all definitely made a lot of noise, you know, during those during those those years. You know, competing with you know with the Tennessees and the Yukons of the world and everything and stuff. So like. How was that like the like the difference between like the practices and the games? Like was the practices really intense? Okay. Always. Always. Honestly, the practices were harder mm. than the games. Um I think that I think that's why we succeeded us uh, uh you know after you know we started to learn our chemistry and started to meld mold yeah. as a team. Um, practices were always way more intense uh, than the games. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely say that. Um, you know, Coach Stringer, she's, I would have to say that she's two completely different entities when she when she's on yeah. and off the court. You know, off, off the court, you can talk to Coach Stringer about anything. Like, she's, I call her a renaissance woman. She can sit down and converse about any topic that you have, whether that be politics, you know, whether that be sports, whether that be music, she can talk about anything. So, um, but on the court, she's she's yeah. she's fierce, <laughs> and she doesn't take uh, she doesn't take any BS. So you know that's how she molds her players, especially her guards. Like you have to be thick skinned. She she definitely molds you into a person that can take and um, overcome yeah. adversity. Because she puts you through so much adversity, so um, yeah, learning under her tutelage is probably one of the the greatest decisions that I made. And um, just to just to tell you the story again, like I wasn't really banked on going to Rutgers until like probably the last stage of my recruiting okay. process because 
Georgetown was the was the school that was at all my tournaments, was at all my games. Like they was calling me every time they had an opportunity to mm. call me in the you know the over period. But then I re- I learned because we live upstate New York now. We've been up here for ten plus years. And during my transition from going to my sophomore to my junior year, we moved that summer. So, you know, this is before social media. This is before, like, you can instantly contact people, right? Like, before, you know, people really have (laughs) cell phones and all that. So, they didn't have my number. So, apparently, Coach Stringer and Rutgers University was trying to get in contact with me that entire summer and never had an opportunity until one of the other coaches from the other uh, schools, Tasha Pointer was at Columbia okay. at the time. Tasha Pointer put Coach Stringer at Rutgers. Wow. We played for Coach Stringer at Rutgers, so Coach Stringer reached out to her to get my number while she's oh, at wow. Columbia. Wow. <laughs> so she gives Coach Stringer my number, and then after that, you know, she gets me on the phone. I see her at all of my games forthcoming like every game after that i see coach stringer and, I, and her assistant coach carlene mitchell at all of my games and uh the last tournament of that uh summer the new york city apple classic which was at fordham university i killed like every game every game i think i had like okay, 30 okay. plus and they and they were sitting right underneath the bleachers at all of my games so after that they uh kind of like offered me and I was like, Coach Stringer off of me? I'm taking that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would too if I was you. That was actually pretty smart. So, like, yeah. you say you write in a book. So, tell yeah. us tell us about the book, what, what it's about. Absolutely. So, um, my book is called Groundwork 29, okay. Books, Ball, and Beyond. And it's basically my, uh, my life and advice manual to student athletes and their parents um like we discussed earlier um in the you know in the episode um i come from a basketball family so all you know me and my um three brothers uh we all were fortunate enough to uh get athletic scholarships you know division one scholarships to go to school so I felt like I had pretty much a pretty credible resource to, you know, to come from and basically put my thoughts and my, um, you know, my life experiences into a book that can be tailored to student athletes and help them and help guide them along their journeys. You know, I talk about all the trials and tribulations that, you know, you go through as a, as a student athlete from balancing you know, academics and sports to, to uh, you know, dealing with life after yeah. sports to, you know, you know, dealing with, you know, what I went through, you know, my freshman year, I, you know, I played for a national championship, then, you know, had that stripped away from me because of the whole unfortunate, you know, Don Imus situation. Yeah. So, you know, I all these different things in this book and uh i think it's gonna be a you know a game changer and it's gonna give people and parents uh, you know especially parents insight into you know just the 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 world of the student athlete and how much sacrifice and you know and how much effort and work goes into this lifestyle i want to touch on that don that don i'm in situation for all y'all listeners that don't know y'all probably remember but it's been a long time since it happened you know don i basically just disrespected the woman of the Rutgers um women's basketball team and um you know what he said i'm not going to repeat what he said it's definitely is was not cool. It was dangerous, especially, you know, and, um, you know, it cost him his career. Um, thank God it did, you know? Um, so like, take us into that for a second. You know, how did you feel? I, I know that was like kind of hurtful. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I always talk about this, you know, it's kind of like a, it kind of like brings a dimmer to the light of the success that yeah. we went through, you know, that entire season at Rutgers, because, you know, people really remember that moment as the defining moment of that year. And, you know, we had so many glorious moments before that, that, um, you know, that were kind of like taken away. A lot of people don't remember that we won a Big East mm-hmm. championship that year. Again, 
against a loaded UConn team mm. at UConn. So, you know, <laughs> you know so. Like the last team to beat UConn at UConn for championship. Yeah, for a Big East championship. And we talking about the Big East when the Big East was, you know, like the yeah. men's Big East. Like, you know, every competitive, you know, every, every, every game is a, uh, you know, is a is a nail biter. So I'm coming from that perspective. We also, you know, went to a national championship. The game before our national championship game, we um held LSU to 35 oh, wow. points. You know, they they, I think they scored that that was their fewest the fewest amount of uh, points they scored in the entire year yeah. that year. Um, you know, Sylvia Files was the player of the year, and we kept her under like, <laughs> you know, like ten. In the locker that game. Let's let's like, be honest. You, know, you shut her down. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We shut her yes. down that game. You know, we shut down. You know, we had a, a great, a awesome run. We beat Duke um, earlier in that year. You know, earlier that year, beat Duke by four. Beat beat um, beat us by mm. forty at our house. Um, that year, they humiliated us at the rack in uh, Piscataway, New Jersey. And um, when we finally had the opportunity to play them in the NCAAs that year, you know, Duke was the number one overall team yes. that year. <laughs> People don't remember that. Lindsey Harding was the uh, ACC player of the year that year. She's the same person that missed those two free throws to allow us to go to, to make it yeah. to the next game. <laughs> So, you know, we had a lot of glorious moments that year, and I think that that was taken away by the whole Don Imus, you know, yeah. situation. I, I, I feel like we got away from Austin because I still got so many questions for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, as a um, – yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, brother. You know what I mean? You know I love you, man. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, like I said, she's got the – she's got the more interesting <laughs> – I know that I'm a big fan of women's basketball, like literally a, a, a huge fan of women's basketball. Oh, yeah. You got a yeah. history of it, man. Like, the, you know, the practice player. I, I like to know how they most like to be the practice player for the Indiana Fever the year that they won the championship. Like, that is – I mean, you obviously you – know, like like them playing against tough Danny Artest definitely must have, uh, you know, got them ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, playing – being a practice player for a WNBA was fun. You know, it was like the best experience. And I played basketball in Germany, Greece, and China, you know. And it was the best experience of basketball Uh I've ever had. Like, seriously. And that's that's no lie. I love women's basketball because, like, once I stopped, once I was able to just jump and dunk on everybody anymore, I had to, you know, just learn how to play on the ground. Even though I always have footwork, you know what I mean? I still didn't have good fundamentals. And that's what I appreciate about the women's game, about the fundamentals. You know, they always talk about, like, you know, Hey, you play like a girl. Okay, I- I'm cool with that, actually. You know what I'm saying? Because if you leave a woman open for three, she's going to light you up. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, my experience was I, I played hard all-, all the time, you know what I mean, against the females. I, I remember I used to um, knock Tamika catches down like like I was playing against my brother or something like that. I was And I was like, you know, I always played at 285 pounds, 290 pounds. That was always my playing weight. So I'm running. Brittany, I'm running into her full speed, you know, like very physical. Like, wow. and, and, you know, she'd get up. And still compete and still compete. So, um, like, I, I, I want to know, because, you know, the WNBA made a lot of changes. Before this coronavirus hit, you know, they made a lot of changes. They got the new in-season tournament. Women are getting, you know, more money now and everything. And, um, like, how do you feel about, you know, the, the WNBA finally getting their just due? Even though I still think they're underpaid. Um, like, yes. how, how do you feel, you know, about the, the WNBA finally getting, you know, the big increase that they got in like, you know, the end season tournament and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about it. That means that we, uh, we're headed in the, the right yes. direction. You know, me and also are actually talking about the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement before, like actually before they dropped the new, um, CBA agreement. And, uh, you know, we were talking about just, you know, the benefits and stuff that women need, you know, like just with, um, a, you know, maternity leave and stuff like that. Like, having children. You know, they didn't even have stuff like that in place. And that kind of like concerns me because, you know, those are essential needs yes, for exactly, women, exactly. you know? You, let, 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 let me ask you this. What do you think is, and this would be the question to both of you, uh, what do you think is the key 
to why women, you know, up until I guess just recently with the CBA going through, make you know sometimes even ten times more money overseas than they do here. Mm-hmm. It, are are there just more women basketball fans overseas? I, like it's hard for me to. We said we have a lot, you know, a lot going on on the basketball scene here in America. Is it just is it the sponsors? What's making you know the? I mean, obviously that season the season overseas is three times longer too. Yeah. But. Um, what, 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 what oh, there's a bunch of women's basketball fans over there. You know, um, like yeah. it's a it's a lot. That's why they pay all that money because of the sponsorships. The women, it's 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 so it's funny because like how the NBA get everything over here, the women's basketball they get everything over there. Um, Brittany, you played overseas. Is it much? Is it like marketing? Yeah, marketing. I don't know. I just or? think it's different. I don't think it's like that. I don't think it's like allocation of money. I just think the overseas just run it the way they see fit. Like. Even if a team is losing money, they're still going to pay, like, their best players to be over there. You know, I think the players actually make the team money due to, like, you know, ticket sales and everything. Um, you know, that that's that's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it, that is over there. So, Brittany, um, you said you played overseas, yeah. right? Yeah, I had an opportunity to play one year um, in okay. uh, Belgium in a small a small town called Namur, which was like two hours from the capital of okay. Brussels. Um, and I loved my experience uh, playing. Uh, you know, I talk about the, you know, I talk about my experience in my book as well. Um, and I kind of just want to go back and just kind of like curtail off of what you were talking about, about being a pra- yeah, practice yeah, player. Um, I feel like a, I don't know. Um, for some reason, the uh, the some article is coming up, popping up in my brain about how there are some teams that uh, don't like having guys as practice players because they feel like y'all too physical with the with the women. But I kind of like don't disagree with that. Um, I kind of don't agree with that um, in a sense because. I mostly learned a lot of my skills playing against guys yeah. growing up. Like that's that's how I learned. Like that physicality, um, and just learning that guys got over with their athleticism yeah. taught taught me about basketball IQ and being a smarter. Yeah, I, player. I think I think women basketball players are smarter than men basketball players. You know, I always thought that. Like since I since I was working with the the females, I I, I seen it. You know. Um, it's, 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 yeah, we can't, we can't, we can't rely. <laughs> we can't rely on you know speed and strength when we play against y'all. We have to rely. We have to rely on um, doing other things to you know counteract. Yeah. That. And then like you know, I was getting, I was getting in like a lot of somebody was knocking me about it, and I'm like, listen, these women are professional basketball players. They get paid to do a job. So I always told my friends, I was like, come on with me. Right. And in three hours, you're going to appreciate women's basketball. And that's always, that's just how it happened all the time. Cause we would literally play five on five, five males and five females. And I could tell you numerous times that we lost, you know, because of just, just by <laughs> IQ, you know, just by IQ, but to, to, yeah. to, um, to, um, further your answer on the, the, the men's basketball players, um, practice players, and why a lot of teams didn't like it. I think it because it's because it does take an opportunity for a woman who's pretty good to make the team, but they're probably not strong enough. Because I remember I had a situation like that too as well when I was playing. I realized like, yo, she's not, not going. She might not make make the team, but I keep on pressing. So what I did was was just pull back and then let her, you know, let her do her thing and stuff, you know. And I think I I, I understand it from both sides. I think you know there should be a dedicated men's basketball staff for all women's teams. But I also think that, you know, men don't need to go all out when they're playing. You know, of course, you know, there's a lot of athletic, a lot of athletic ones, but I wasn't athletic at the time. I was just super strong. So I didn't try to dunk on any of them, whatever. I would just use like my, my strength. And then like, if they, if they trying to learn something, I would teach them like, Hey, this is what, this is what I did. This is how you should do it or whatever. And then, um, especially like when they went up against, the Oklahoma girl, um, the the twins, uh, Courtney Paris or whatever, you know, they were some big girls. Uh, that's that's when I would like put the pressure because, like, you know, Paris, the Paris twins, they're my height. You know, what I'm saying I weigh like 20 pounds, 30 pounds more than them, but they're still the same height, six three, six four. So, like, when leading up to those games or whenever they played against a big girl, I would always like that's when I would turn up 
like the pressure, like, yo, you're going up against this. So this is how you think it's going to be. But then in the game, it's going to be different. It's going to be easier. But, you know, expect this or expect that. It, it, was, it, was, a, it was a fun experience. So, Austin, I want to I want to move on to you for a second. And uh, Brittany, you could chime into as well and stuff. Let's talk about, you know, how the NBA shut down, how the world, entire world shut down pretty much from this last month's situation. You know, like, like, goddamn, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. So. Go ahead. I want to know your your opinion on this, Austin. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I'll tell you this. You know, my opinion grows. Uh, like, it, I think that the situation has you know grown vastly more serious since the NBA shut down. What would it be? Is it three weeks now? Or you know, two? It shut yeah. down two weeks ago. Um, and it's and just living here in New York because the situation has just gotten so much more serious. You know, it's I do believe it definitely was the right decision, especially when we're starting to see how many players are popping up positive on all these various teams. If the NBA didn't stop play, those teams would have played against each other and infected more people, and it went home and infected more people, and it could have definitely even, you know, gotten even even more out of control. Um, so, you know, we're all missing basketball. You know, we don't know when basketball is going to come back. Um, I, I, I'm pretty, I I think at this point, they're probably, even though it's suspended, they're probably going to go ahead and probably cancel the season, even though we've seen, even though I I know I saw a report, uh, maybe about a week or so ago, but they could change. I don't know if they're going to resume this season and really play the rest of the season out. All the overseas seasons are canceled. Um, uh, you know, obviously all the high school basketball seasons yeah. have been canceled. I don't know if the NBA really has a reason. And this is to, to kind of, you know, make my answer a little bit more concise here. Once the NBA, the NBA is the world leader of basketball, all right? It's the best league in the world in basketball. And once they made the decision to, 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 to cut the cord on the season, everybody else follows suit. Uh, NCAA March Madness, that up until that very point, they were going to pl- continue to play with no fans. Overseas were, were already at that yeah. point continuing play, not allowing fans. But if the players got it, then they're going to affect each other and they want to affect the people in the community anyway. So once the NBA cut the cord on the season, the, N- the NCAA March Madness cut the cord, and then overseas, season, all the overseas uh, leagues cut the cord. So what I'm going to say is that at this point now, there's no more basketball being played um, uh, at the professional level overseas, or obviously at the collegiate level. I don't know. I don't know if it makes sense for the NBA to come back. Um, you know, at this point where it seems like everything's already been been, been put on pause. But this will be very interesting. And in when we look back in the history books, 20, 10, 20, however many years down the road, to see what the hell happened during the 2019, 2020 season. There was this world pandemic. That literally ended the season, and there was no 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 uh, champion crown. There was no MVP crown. There were no, you know, all these. You know, it, it, it's really it's just like when you have those lockout years and you have the short season. But at least we got to finish and get and get the end. We never had the opportunity. We, we, basically, we started late before, right? We've started late before, but we never started and not finished. So it's just going to be one of those asterisk marks. I think asterisk marks in history um i uh yeah and i'm looking forward to comes back i'm not sure if in the summertime if we're going to see at least basketball again on the grassroots scene or uh, um if we're going to see it on the um you know uh you know uh you know on the street ball scene uh i assume hopefully by you know September, October, you know, by by next NBA season that this whole thing has blown over. But what's really hurt a lot, and me and Brittany were talking about this, right? What's really hurt throughout this whole situation, Danny, and follow me here, are all the beautiful basketball opportunities. And you would know this, man, because you done took all these opportunities that you got throughout your career to, 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 to make a career. So you understand, bro, there's so many beautiful basketball opportunities that are missed right now. So many uh, uh, high school players that are not, you know, so many guys that, you know, got selected for the McDonald's game, the Jordan game, robbed, done, yeah. not happening. So many guys that 
so many high school players right now that were that, that want to be playing that, that, uh, that missing open periods missing opportunities for college coaches to see them all great college players and seniors that are going to be mismar- that miss march madness that was their opportunity all those cinderella teams every single year that beat those big teams and put a name on it and all those kids from those small schools and mid-majors that put themselves on a map and make a name for themselves in front of the world that's not happening that opportunity yeah, is it's definitely a wrap like like like, 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 the NBA. I mean, we can even go into all these different NBA players that possibly gonna miss. But that's like, there's so many opportunities overseas. So many bags missed. Do you think these overseas teams, these overseas guys? I've been talking to my guys, my friends all over the world and stuff. Listen, these guys have a hard time making these guys pay them when the season is going and the fans are showing up. You think they're gonna pay these guys for the next four months? They're not and after the season. Like, like, so many bags missed, opportunities missed, champion. Like, there's so many. This really. Not that, I don't want, I'm not going to curse in your pockets, but this really effed up a lot of people's opportunities, effed up a lot of yeah. bags for a lot of guys and girls. I mean, it's endless, but I guess it's necessary for from a health standpoint. But just think about it. If you were that kid at that mid-major and you won your conference tournament and you were getting ready to, and boom, just think about it. You that high school player. And you were making, you were trying to make a name for yourself, and your season just ends. You didn't get a chance to play in the champ. You know what I mean? Like these kids that count on these opportunities and these doors to open up for things that happen, and one thing leads to another. Yeah, man. That's what really hurts out of all of this. Yeah. That's what really hurts out of all of this, man. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy how, how the um, the season, the season is going, and how it's. Like you said, I think I think they should cancel it though, man, because I, I think that it's gonna be definitely gonna be more more players coming out with it, even more, you know, personnel, you know, people that the staff that be around the teams and stuff, you know. So um I mean just the fact that Kevin Durant got it, I'm like, oh Kevin Durant didn't even play the whole season, like he didn't sweat. How the hell did he just think about <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you think about who Kevin Durant, he gonna he yeah, gonna exactly. he gonna see the trainer. And like you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. So, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder how they didn't. I wonder how. I was telling Brittany. I was telling about. Was asking. You know. I wonder how they can tell. Because let's say if you have it and then you start and you're like asymptomatic, like Kevin Durant. Like, how do you know when you're better? Or like, let's say if you just had a mild cold or whatever, and then you were tested positive. Like even Marcus Smart, he was asymptomatic, had no symptoms. Um, Rudy Gobert lost a sense of taste and smell like that this thing is all over the place but the point the point i'm making was that i like I, like they didn't give him a did they give him a second test to make sure that he's negative or does he just said and say hey i feel better i feel like i made a full recovery it's one of those things that's very odd that we're going to see what you know as this thing goes forward because there's so many folks that are not that didn't even get a test you know what i mean and it's and, and, and it's it, let alone all the folks that have gotten just one test, and you don't know. I guess on the other side, if they if there's anybody that's gotten a second test, but congratulations to to that brother. I mean, he definitely beat it quickly. They said he got it on March 14th or 15th, so like less than 10 days ago, and it went and he's he's already fully yeah. recovered. So everybody's immune system different, you know what I mean? But yeah. Well, AJ probably spoke to him. He said, how do you feel? He probably was like, I feel good. I feel like I'm back to normal. I'm myself again. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. So, like. He got a doctor, but. <laughs> exactly. So, b- before we go, um, I want to talk to Brittany about so you, you're a health coach. You know, you, you're doing your thing in the health field and stuff, and you're, you're a business owner in it. So, tell us about your business. What's going on with it? Yeah, so I am a certified holistic health coach, and I run a small business, um, a small health coaching uh, business called Smiling Bellies Health Consulting. And basically what I do is just try to build, help help people build better habits around, you know, food and beverage choices. You know, um, 90% of chronic diseases are 
preventable diseases and things that can be, you know, reversed with, uh, with healthy eating and, um, just making healthier choices. So, uh, that's what my business is about. And, you know, I've partnered with, uh, a few different reputable corporations such as the American Heart Association, you know, done health fairs with them, partnered with them. I've done workshops for, uh, the MTA. So, you know, the MTA is the, the largest transportation authority in the East Coast yeah. and, you know, in the country. So I've done workshops with them. Um, I recently did a few workshops with um, a company by the name of the Healthcare Foundations of the Oranges. It's a, it's a nonprofit in um, East Orange, New Jersey, that basically serves the... Uh, the the elderly population and provides them with health health uh resources and you know just resources that are available within the uh impoverished and under you know privileged communities in east orange new jersey so those are some of the things that i do i'm very passionate about health because i've you know overcome a lot of uh health uh issues myself I suffered from depression, anxiety, uh, you know, being overweight uh, for a lot of my career okay. and dealing with that. Um, and, you know, I really truly want to just help um, people become better versions and greater versions of themselves. And that starts by what are you putting into your body? So that's one of the reasons why I do this and why you know, I have my small business. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, like, I always wanted to know because I I, de- I deal with the you know depression and, and everything as well. You know, as happy as I'm as as I always sound and everything, or whatever. I'm always dealing with it. Like when I'm off a podcast, you know, when I'm in my own when I'm in my own so like. And how does the food directly you know affects you know depression and everything? In your opinion, um, I think it's a completely direct correlation you know it's you know I kind of like when I talk to my clients I kind of like give them this example like if you have a luxury car you're not going to put you know water in the gas tank correct you're going to try to put you know 93 in that luxury vehicle because you want the best possible resource that's going to fuel that car to the to maximize its its greatest potential correct so it's the same thing with our bodies. In order to maximize our greatest potential, we need to be providing the body with things that can properly fuel it. You know, like, you know, a lot of people eat, you know, the standard American diet. There's no reason why it's there's a, a specific reason why standard American diet is the act has the acronym SAD. You know, a lot of people are living sad lives. You know, a lot of people are living in pain. And we live in a country that has uh, a healthcare system that is a disease managing system. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not a healing system. So that's why you're seeing all these different um, alternative and holistic, um, you know, practices come back, you know, from acupuncture to to reiki to you know yoga to breathing all these things impact the body and help the body um become more balanced and get out of dis-ease you know so those are the things that you know i talk about and those are the things that need to be talked about a little bit more especially for um you know for student athletes because we deal with so much pressure And, you know, depression and anxiety is probably the two biggest things that student athletes face, you know, on their journeys. But they don't have they don't they don't know that it it is it is those things, you know, they don't know that that, um, you know, not being able to articulate those things to to other people are what they're feeling. You know, my senior year, I had I definitely had bouts of depression and anxiety and. I don't think I had the resources around me to fully understand that I was going through that my, you know, my senior year in college. But, you know, looking back and being retrospective and retroflective, you see that 
you know, those were the things that you knew that they were. You know, I knew I was depressed <laughs> looking back yeah. at it. But in the moment, you don't know that it's that and you don't know where you're getting your help from. So, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that led me to start in this business as well, being a resource to student athletes to, you know, to vent. Too. Yeah. You know, they may vent to their parents. They, they need another outlet and a resource for that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, I want to thank y'all for coming on to the show today, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Danny. I appreciate it too, brother. You, um, do. you know, I, I was going to say, say, I really just to kind of piggyback on that last point. I really, I, 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 am, I am starting to appreciate how the game is starting to become more open and accepting and understanding and providing resources to folks that, um, to the to, to athletes at all levels who, who who are in need of, you know, just uh counseling and really just other you know great strategies on how to handle their mental health um that was something you know going back just not too long ago that they weren't even addressing and um it seems like now i'm appreciating that folks are being open about it um i mean it's so important and um i wish they would have had you know just some of this you know in place you know for for a lot of guys you know, all along, because you think about all the bad boys of the NBA, like they always say, this guy's going crazy and stuff. Like, you don't know what the hell is going on in these people's lives and what they're dealing with and the things they're managing. And we're just looking at them, wanting them to entertain us, and like, as opposed to seeing these folks as, as humans. And we're talking about in all sports and um, at all levels. And, uh, and, and the fact that you see you know, like you see like the Delonte West scenario and stuff like that. Um, you know, you got players out here, you know, after their careers, you know, not, you know, just not, not, not living the lives that you, you know, you would expect them to be living. I'm happy that you know, we're just starting to wake up and address this stuff, man. It's so important. We're going to really, you know, I, I, I want to believe we'll save a lot of guys going forward. Football players with CTE and all that, man. It's just, it's crazy. You know, it's important. Yeah. And, and- before we go, I gotta ask a question about that because you know us parents, we love, we want to have our kids in sports. Um, is football in your kids' future? Because I, I don't, I would not, I don't have my kids playing football at all because of the CTE. Everybody thinks just because you know all of stuff happens when you get to the NFL and stuff like that. Like I think all the stuff starts right now. If I have my son, you know he's four years old, he's playing football. I think the wear and tear in the brain starts as soon as he takes that first hit. So what y'all think about, like, you know, kids in, in football since you brought up the whole, you know, CTE situation? Football, yeah. boxing. I don't like you know, it. It's a tough one because, I, I, but, but, but I hear you. I tell you, you can always be a kicker. You know, you can be a kicker. That's, that's probably the safest, the safest position. But... I, um, you know, we love sports. You want your kids to be athletic. One thing that we love sports for is not just from the athletic standpoint, but just all the great lessons that are taught in sports that carry over into life. And, um, I, I, you know, I'll be honest. Yeah, I probably may not really want to promote it and actively try to get my child into it. But if my child fell in love with these, fell in love with one of these sports, I feel like I would have to support them. Yeah. And I would try to... You know, I would try if if he wanted to get into boxing, I would try to tell him to follow Floyd Mayweather's approach, man. Be a good defensive fighter and know how to try your best not to yeah. get hit. And if he wanted to be a football player, you know, I'm just going to try to encourage him. You know, because I, I, you know, yeah, this CT is a very, very, very big problem. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to diminish it at all, but I just, I want to sit here. If you look at the pool of every NFL player, right, that's come through the NFL or that's present in the NFL now. I don't know what the percentages of folks that are having severe CTE that end up Aaron Hernandez or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to believe that most of the guys go on to live productive lives, have productive lives, have their mental sanity. But uh, same thing with boxers. Is this is there is there a large percent of percentage of boxers that are coming out completely messed up? But yeah, the percentage is high enough that it's something that's concerning. But um, I don't know if it's enough to detour people detour the masses away from it um and keep kids from wanting to enjoy it but uh so i think that yeah these sport if 
it's one of those things, man. You know, it, 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 yeah. it's one of those things. It's, I think it's just going to come down to being like, you know, a personal personal decision kind of supported by the family. If the guy, if somebody wants to do it and they, they, they're gun hold to do it and they love it, I'm going to support them. But I'm, I'm probably not going to bring it to you and try to thrust you into it knowing that it's probably exactly, not exactly. the safest. <laughs> exactly, yo. Yeah, man, but I want to I thank y'all for coming on to the show and stuff. Um, you know, really good conversation, really good conversation uh, with, with uh, Austin and his wife, Brittany, and, uh, you know, I'm glad that we had this talk, man. It's been it's been a long time. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure, Danny. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, man. And with that being said, we're out of here, and y'all can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at I mean Instagram and Twitter at Daniel Latest Pod, as well as y'all can follow me on you know, Facebook, the Facebook group, Austin, you're not in my Facebook group, why not? I got 20, 2,200 people in the Facebook group. I, I am. Are you in there? I am. I, I, I just, I gotta, I gotta be more active and right in there, but I joined like the first day. I was okay. in the first few hundred. Okay. I'm in I, there. I, I, it's 2,200 people in there and we are talking basketball and stuff and, um, and, um, I'm not even supposed to do the outro, but people are mad at me because I'm talking about Michael Jordan shouldn't be greatest of all time anymore. That's how I feel. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's debatable now. I feel like um since you know everybody's passing him and scoring and stuff, and I get it, he won six championships. I just feel like it should be at least a conversation now that you know maybe 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 Kobe should be included in that. Maybe you know LeBron should be included in that. And we all. I've always I've always had not to cut you off, but I've always had a uh, a problem with the fact that uh, that that to most basketball analysts. That Michael Jordan, that that basically when it comes back and when it comes to the sport of basketball, there's this one guy by the name of Michael Jordan who has an overall consensus that he's the best, the best to ever do it. And it's not like that in any other sport. Even in football, there's no consensus number one guy that you see across the board. And they say this is the best football player to ever play. Soccer, tennis, you know. It's always debatable at the time. It's always debatable who the best is. You know what I'm saying? You say Serena, somebody else is going to, you know what I mean? Like, but but basketball, you almost get really shunned for not saying Michael. And I agree with you that we should continue to keep that door open for the throne. The throne shouldn't just have somebody freaking staple to it. The throne is always, I always think like, like when you look at, you know, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, one win, winner on every single level. Multiple time winner on every single level. You know what I'm saying? And he don't get he don't get his his just due. He's like he has the most MVPs in NBA history. You know what I'm saying? He's tied with Mike for six rings. He has he when you line up the accomplishments with Michael and Kareem is even or maybe Kareem has one or a couple more or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Kareem is the oldest NBA Finals MVP. He won it at 38 years old. You know, it's just just think that I just yeah, think that wow. um. Like, I'm not saying that who's the greatest player of all time. I just think that Jordan should not be a shoo-in anymore. I think that that door should be open, and there should be a debate about it. I really, it really should be. Let Let me ask you this. I I, I agree. With, I, I agree with you. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? You see, I think that one of the things that make it kind of tough is that see Jordan could play in this era. He's a guard. He's a tall guard. Like. Could Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play in this era? I think that people saw that his game just didn't trans, just didn't transfer over as the as the game grew. Like it was great for that era. I agree with you a thousand percent. I oh I've always had Lou Alcindor in my top three. Um, I've always said. I mean, I agree with you that he he is one of the. He, there's no doubt. You know, what I mean, legend especially um, with all the accolades. Um, I even always threw Bill Russell in it, even though Bill Russell played like before, like what they consider the common era of the NBA, just the fact that the man's got like, 11. what, 10 rings? You, you just got to put some respect on that. 11 rings? Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, could, could, do you think a cream, cream of whose hook shot will work, will work in today's game? Will even work even Yeah, it will work. Yes, yes. It, it will work because um, of how he shot it from 15 feet, 18 feet, 20 feet. He shot it from anywhere, bro. You know? He shot, he shot, he shot, he shot, he shot from everywhere. 
I think that um he would have definitely it would, he would have definitely um played in his era really well. He would have been effective. You know, think about it. He was able to run up on the court. Kareem, Kareem was able to run up and down the court. He had good, he had good lateral movement, good you know, quick feet laterally, so he could get those block shots and stuff. You know, this is Kareem we're talking about. He scored thirty-eight thousand points, man. He could be able to play in this era. Yes. Okay. How about if, if 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 Andre Drummond's playing in his era, Kareem playing in his era? I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Andre Drummond, and I'll tell you this, Andre Drummond is, um, you know, uh, it, it, it is the, uh, Andre Drummond is one of those guys, man, that he's one of those unicorn guys where there's not many guys like him uh, in the NBA that's carrying that weight that's that's still a true center. It's not really true. It's not really, it's not still true centers in the NBA that are effective. You know, Rudy Gobert is one of them, but there's like, there's like a handful of them that are, Especially because Rudy Gobert is an athletic guy. I'm talking about big guys like Andre Drummond. Kind of has that 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 Shaq weight almost, where he's a big guy. He plays big, and his like like that that player is going away. And the fact that he's still playing in this era is a, is a tip of my hat. I tip my hat to him because you're not finding many big guys who carry big weight. You know, and and play down in the post, literally just all in the paint like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's going away. I I guess, but I I just I just like to leave that debate open. Um, we're gonna leave that debate for another podcast with me and you when we talk when we talk our little basketball and stuff. So, yo, yeah, I wanna thank I wanna thank both of y'all for coming on to the show for real, man. Um, I really I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Hey man, have yeah. a good one, brother. You yeah, you too. So, like I said, everybody, for all my listeners, you can follow me on Facebook. You got the group at the Daniel Artest Podcast. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel Artest Pod. Dropping the website soon. Stay tuned to that. And that, with that being said, I'm out. Peace out, everybody. One love. Mm-hmm.